Amen. Amen. And to all of our visitors, thank you so much for worshiping with us. Uh, again, we know that you could have chosen any other church to worship with on today, um, but we're certainly glad that you chose Bethel Baptist Church as a place of worship, and we pray that you feel the love that emanates from our heart to yours. Joshua chapter number six. Joshua chapter number six. Not going to be before you long. Joshua chapter number six. I decided I was going to preach about eight o'clock tonight since Dallas ain't playing in the Super Bowl. Amen. There's no need in watching. And then I thought, no, I'm going to watch and hate because I don't want San Fran to pass us. So I'm hoping they lose. <laughs> I, I know who that come from. Joshua chapter number six, verses one through five. It's okay to smile in church. Have fun. It's called balance. Balance. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, New Living Translation. Then we're going to drop down to verse number 20. Verse number 1 says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. Verse 5 says, when you hear the priests, give one long blast on the ram's horn. Have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Let's go to verse number 20, please. Verse number 20 says, When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town, town and captured it. One more time, verse number 20, the A part says, When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as as they could. Briefly this morning, I want to speak to you from this simple topic. One shout away from your victory. One shout away from your victory. You may be seated. As many of you know, today uh, is Super Bowl Sunday, as it has been dubbed by many. Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, just in case you are from another planet, uh, the Super Bowl is the championship game of the National Football League, better known as the NFL. Uh, some teams have been there more than others. Uh, you have some teams that hadn't quite won one yet. Uh, we're still praying for the Panthers. Uh, yeah. No, no, that's no shade. No shade. That's, that's the home team. I, 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 I really do root for the Panthers. That's my white team. I keep peace in the house. And then you have some teams that, you know, finally won one, like Philly. And then you have no shade. And then you have some organizations that have a handful. Five. Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Now, they're a bit historical but they count. And then you have those other teams that's cheated up in New England. <laughs> you know, they have all them rings, 
along with everybody plays and all that other stuff. My, my point is the Super Bowl is such a prestigious event um, that they keep count, bragging rights, of how many times people have won the Super Bowl. It's, it's such a big deal. It's, it's such a big deal that the Super Bowl uh, uh, is the biggest draw in sports. And when I say the biggest draw in sports, I understand World Cup soccer is huge. Uh, so when I say the biggest draw, I'm not talking about attendance because those soccer games are jam-packed. But I'm talking about the draw to the point where commercials are being bought at a ridiculous price. To the point where people who may not cook or ever have company will have a Super Bowl party. <laughs> it just draws people. Have a Super Bowl party, you have your family, your friends, and even some strangers, because they heard you was having a party. The Super Bowl is so big that you'll even allow a stranger to stay. Any other day, you'll kick them back out. Uh, so the Super Bowl is a wonderful time for people who are sports fans, uh, because it is a wonderful, wonderful event. But if I could complain about anything in regards to the Super Bowl, it would be about the time frame between the conference championship game and the actual Super Bowl. Uh, for those that don't know, it's about two weeks. Uh, and in between, uh, you know, there's all kind of interviews and media week and things of that nature. And the reason I don't like the two-week span, and I mean, I'm just a little old me, so they're probably not going to change it. But the reason I don't like it is because after a while, you start hearing the same questions and the same answers. Asked a little differently, but it's the same question. Answered a little differently, but it is the same answer. And so for that reason, I don't watch as much sports talk television uh, that I normally watch throughout the week because I get tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, however, there are certain times that I tune in uh, because there are certain individuals that have uh, a certain level of expertise that I like to listen to uh, when it comes down to giving their take on the keys to the game for each team to win. Uh, these individuals are people who have either played the game at a high level, have coached the game at a high level, or have covered the NFL for some time. And they're not just talking to be talking, but they have done their due diligence and have researched and watched different tapes. And so they come up with different things that each team need to do to win the game. And most of the time, those things that they come up with uh, is usually you need to know your assignment. Secondly, after knowing your assignment, you must execute the game plan and stick to it. And then thirdly, they normally say something like, they must limit their mistakes, not turn the ball over. For the most part, I've come to understand and discover that if indeed uh, you understand your assignment, if indeed uh, you make sure you stick to your game plan, and if indeed you limit your mistakes and don't turn the ball over, uh, it increases your chances to win. It's not automatic, but most of the time, if a team has four or five turnovers, it's a pretty good chance that they're going to lose. And so they begin to give those type of keys to the game to kind of use that as their prediction of who will win. And I brought all of that up to say this. The same way that there are keys to victory in football, there are certain keys to victory in our spiritual battle. You must understand that there are some things that we have been promised by God 
that we have yet seen come to fruition. And it's not because God is not able. It is not because God will not keep his promise. But it's because the enemy is fighting against what God is trying to do in your life. The Bible even speaks of this in Daniel chapter number 10, verses 12 through 14. When it says, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for your understanding, pray for understanding, and to humble yourself before your God, your request had been heard in heaven. He said, I've come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Uh, so the Bible lets us know that God hears your prayer, uh, but just because he does not answer your prayer immediately does not mean he's not working on your request. Uh, but you have to understand that there is a battle taking place in the spiritual realm. Uh, the enemy tries to hold up anything that God is trying to get to you. Uh, and for that reason, we have to make sure uh, that we don't just give up when we don't receive what we've asked for, but that we continue to fight, that we continue to hang in there. Because if you give up, you will never receive it. But you have to know that there are times that God is trying to bless you, but there's a fight to get that blessing to you. There, there, there's a fight to get that breakthrough to you. There is a fight to get that promise to you. Yes, the Bible says that all the promises of God in him are yes and amen, but we still have to fight for them. Yes, the Bible says that he that have begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Christ Jesus, but we still have to fight for it. Yes, the Bible says that he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, but we still have to fight for it. In fact, that's why the latter part of that scripture says that it's according to the power that works in you. Because there are some things that God promises us that will only come to fruition by winning the fight. So we find this to be so even in our text this morning. Uh, Joshua and the children of Israel, uh, they have been given a promise from God. They've been promised a land that flows with milk and honey. Uh, in fact, the promise was given to the first generation, uh, but because of, because of the, the, the disobedience of the first generation, the Lord vowed uh, that he would not allow them to enter into that land that he had promised. Uh, however, at the time of our text, the first generation of men that were old enough uh, to fight for the land died in the wilderness, and now the second generation who is being led by Joshua is about to possess the land. They are about to possess the promise. And the only thing standing between them and the promise is Jericho. Jericho was an intimidating and a frightening town because according to research, it had six foot wide lower walls and it had a 50 foot high upper wall that circled the entire city. The brick walls were so thick and tall that the 12-acre city appeared to be an indestructible fortress. In other words, it seems as though God has promised something that was impossible. 
In fact, the first generation was so intimidated and frightened by Jericho that they opened their mouths and said of themselves, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. So I wonder now, what is it, what is it uh, that, that kept the second generation of Israelites from being frightened and intimidated of Jericho? Well, when I look in the text, uh, I realize that even though uh, this seemed like a losing battle, Joshua and the children of Israel had been given the keys to victory over Jericho. And just as Joshua and the children of Israel were given keys uh, to victory over Jericho, you and I have been given keys to our victory over our personal Jericho. Uh, in the same, reason, the same way they were not afraid, the same way they were not intimidated, uh, because we have keys to victory, we too don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be intimidated because we have keys that we can use to defeat our personal Jericho. Uh, let's look in the text. It says this, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out. No one was allowed to go in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. Uh, it, it is in these first two verses that we see our first key to victory. If you're taking notes, uh, write this down. H here it is. Uh, in order to have victory over your Jericho, uh, your shout must be coupled with unwavering affirmation. Your shout must be coupled with unwavering affirmation. Uh, I had to make sure to slow down here because uh, I don't want the text to be, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want the subject to be a bit uh, misleading. Uh, when I say you are a shout away, one shout away uh, from your victory, I don't want you to think or to leave here thinking that you can just shout and get everything that's coming your way. Uh, while, 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 while we need to shout, there are some things that need to go along with our shout. Uh, so, so if we are going to have victory over our Jericho, uh, our shout must be coupled with unwavering affirmation. In, in other words, in other words, uh, the reason that this generation is able to be uh, so sure about their battle with Jericho is because it has been affirmed by the Lord that they will win. In other words, they had a word from the Lord that everything was going to work out in their favor. Uh, see, see, here's what you have to understand. Uh, uh, if we are going to experience victory, it starts with hearing a word from the Lord. Uh, that's why you have to get past this whole notion that church is all about singing. That church is all about the theatrics of things. Uh, because you can have all the good singing you want, but at the end of the day, it is the word that's going to sustain you. Singing is important because it is a part of praise uh, and it should usher us into his presence. But the reason we're ushered into his presence is so that we can receive his word. Uh, that's why you have to be careful when you come to church and not allow anything to keep you from hearing the word of God. The word of God is so important uh, that David said this. He said, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Uh, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Thy word. Then he says, I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste. 
They are sweeter than honey to my mouth. Though thy precepts uh, I, I get, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Then he says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, when you don't know which way to go, it is God's word that will instruct you on how you should go. Once we receive a word from the Lord, we are well on our way to victory. Once we receive a word from the Lord, his word will lead us. Once we receive a word from the Lord, his word will guide us and his word will instruct us. That's why you have to be careful not to allow distractions to keep you from the word. Uh, that's why you shouldn't be dozing off in church. Because there's something in the word that's going to help you this week. But because the enemy don't want you to get it, he makes your eyelids heavy. And because you're too prideful to stand up so you won't go to sleep, you miss your word because you do go to sleep. Uh, but can I tell you that that is a trick of the enemy? You wasn't sleeping when you walked in. You wasn't sleeping when we were singing. You wasn't sleeping when it was offering time. It's just when the word comes. Isn't it ironic uh, that when the word comes forth is when the enemy tries to distract you. The baby don't start crying until the word comes forward. People don't try and talk to you until the word gets ready to come forward. Your phone don't go off until the word comes forward. That's why if you got to shut your phone off and leave it in your purse, uh, you might want to do that because you sitting here strolling on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter trying to see what the world is doing. And God is saying, I'm trying to help you out here. I'm trying to give you a way out. I'm trying to give you a way over. But you're too busy checking your phone and you're missing out on. You're missing out on the word. Watch this. Joshua, after he's ensured a victory, he begins to instruct his people through the word of the Lord. He says, watch this, verses three through five. It says this, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight in. Remember, I told you in the beginning of the sermon that the wall around Jericho seemed impossible to breach. Uh, but look at what the text says. He says, I need you to march around the city. He said, I need you to do it one time a day for six days. He says, but on the seventh day, I need you to march around seven times. Let me pause right here to help my people out so that you don't sound so ignorant when you're claiming something. I'm going to do just like the children of Israel. I'm going to march around this thing seven times. It wasn't seven times that they marched around. If they marched around one time each day, that's six. Then on the last day, they marched around seven. Now, I ain't the brightest bulb in the chandelier. But I know if they marched six times, and then on the last day they did seven, that's 13. So if you're going to march around like the children of Israel, 
At least tell them you're going to do it 13 times. But I get the concept. Because here's what they're saying. They're, they're saying, whatever you tell us to do, Lord, that's what we're going to do. Uh, but here's what I love about that. The fact that they had to march around it one time every day for six days helps me to understand that just because you lay claim to something and you don't see anything happening the first time you do what you're supposed to do, you can't get discouraged <laughs> because you got to see this thing through the end. And how many of us have forfeited so many blessings because we gave up before we saw it through its end? You got to learn how to do whatever he instructs you to do. Joshua tells them. He says, you got to march around one time every day. And then on the last day, walk seven times. It seemed like it was impossible to breach. Now watch this, but if you seek the Lord for his instructions, and when you are operating in his will, nothing shall be impossible. See, I know you think that in order to have victory over your Jericho, you need a better job. Some of you think in order to have victory over your personal Jericho, you need more support. Some even think in order for you to have victory over your personal Jericho, you need another degree. But the truth of the, Lord, of the, the, truth of the matter is what you really need is a word from the Lord. God's word can take you farther than any job can take you. God's word can take you farther than any degree can take you. God's word can take you farther than any support anybody else can give you. So what you really need is a word from the Lord. It is his word that will instruct you. It is his word that will lead you. It is his word that will strengthen you. So when you learn to stand on that unwavering affirmation, it will give you strength to keep going. But not only do you have to couple your shout with unwavering, unwavering affirmation. But secondly, in order for you to have a personal victory over your Jericho, uh, you also have to couple your shouting with unyielding activation. In other words, you're gonna have to put some action behind your faith. Unyielding means to not stop. Uh, just because it doesn't work for you the first time, doesn't necessarily mean that it's over. Uh, here's what I like about the text. Uh, Joshua made sure that they put action behind their faith. Because what good is it to hear the word but not act on the word? Okay, James chapter number 1 verse 22 says something like this. Don't just be hearers of the word only but also be doers of the word. What good is it for you to open up your Bible and read from Genesis to Revelation if you're never going to act on what you read? What good is it to give up your Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock or 10.15 a.m. or at 9.15 a.m. Sunday school just to hear a word but never act on it? What good is it to rush home through rush hour after work on Wednesdays only to get here, listen to the word of God, but then never act on it? What good is it? to get the word, but never act on the word. You have to know that the word is not just for us to read, it's not just for us to listen to, but it's for us to act upon. 
You cannot be afraid to put action behind your faith. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. In other words, it does us no good to receive a word from the Lord if we allow fear to keep us from operating in faith. It does us no good to receive a revelation but never go through with the demonstration. And what I love about this text is that as soon as Joshua received these instructions, as soon as he got a word from the Lord, he began to activate his faith. Right here in verses 6 through 10, it says that he called together all the priests and he said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and then he assigned seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the other people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in the front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Here it goes, this part of light. Then he said, do not shout. Don't even talk. He says, not a single word from any one of you until I tell you to shout. That's really not exciting to most people. But it's not until the Lord began to reveal to me why he told them not to shout that I got excited. See, he told them, don't open your mouth and don't say a word because sometimes you open your mouth too soon and it allows people to hate on what you're doing. See, everybody don't believe like you believe. Watch this. Everybody who sit on your row and smile with you are not hoping the best for you. So when you open up your mouth and begin to tell them what the Lord is doing, they start to act like Day-Day. Oh, y'all don't know Day-Day? Mike Epps. Next Friday. You you ain't going to get it. I, I hope you don't get it. Watch, you you start to act like that. People, people will hate on you. And here's what the Lord is saying to them. I don't need you broadcasting what I'm about to do in your life. I need you to just close your mouth and do what I ask you to do. But watch this. It's not, it's not just the fact that people will hate on you and talk about what you're about to do and what God ain't going to do. But also, he told them, don't open your mouth because he knew their history. I'm going to walk on this side when I say this one. You do know that we're dealing with the children of Israel. The children of Israel has a history of complaining. See, see, see it's, it's the same people who, who, when he was bringing them out of Egypt, got in the wilderness, became upset, and began to complain and murmur. You brought us out here just to die. And all we eating is manna, manna, manna. At least when we were back in Egypt, we ate free fish, free onions, and free leeks. You ain't have anything free in Egypt. You work day and night, and you were enslaved. But that mentality said, at least where I was at, I was comfortable. And so he tells them, don't open your mouth because I know you. You still are the children of Israel. And I can see it now when I tell you to walk around one time and you don't even see a crack in the wall 
What in the world he got us walking around this wall for? Now, I'm going to try it again tomorrow, but if don't, nothing happen tomorrow. I forgot we live now, not tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm trying to do better. Second day, to walk around, nothing happening. This ain't starting to make no sense to me. And then on top of all that marching, got these loud horns just in my, it don't take all that. Day three. I tell you what, this is my last day walking. My corns hurt, my feet, my shoes tight. I didn't even wear the right shoes for all this. Why you got me? Okay, somebody didn't get it, so let me, let me bring it to modern day time. Why we still have two services, 8 o'clock and 10.15? Ain't neither service full. Oh, that one didn't work? Why I got to be at 8 o'clock and 10.15 just because I'm a minister or a deacon? Oh, oh that, that one didn't work? Why every time we turn around, we're doing a capital campaign? I don't really park in the pavement, no way. People will complain about any and everything, and God says, I know your history, Israel, so what I need you to do is just do what I say, and don't you open your mouth until I tell you, because if you open your mouth, you're going to ruin the blessing that I have for you complaining. How many of us have missed out on our blessing because we keep opening up our mouths and complaining about what we don't have, what we have not been, and what we don't want to do? God knows what he's doing. And he had a reason for telling them to hush. He didn't tell them to be quiet because he needed to concentrate. He's a master multitasker. He don't need silence. But here it is, watch this. But he told them to be quiet because I don't need anybody speaking against what I'm about to do. I don't need anybody complaining about what I'm about to do. But here's the part that blessed me. But I told you to be quiet to see if you learn how to be obedient yet. Because he understands that if you're disobedient on this side of the blessing, you'll be disobedient on that side of the blessing. Uh, okay, okay. So, so, somebody missing it. Uh, it, it it's kind of like how people say, you know what? If, if the Lord ever bless me, to win the lottery. And I know y'all don't play lottery, but I'm just saying if. <laughs> I'm just saying if you did. If the Lord ever blessed me to win the lottery, if I win $300 million, I'm going to get a church $30 million. You get a car. You get a car. You, you know, you're lying. Because if you wasn't disciplined on this side of the blessing, you're not going to be disciplined on that side of the blessing. In other words, you're not going to get a church 30 million out of 300 million because you won't give them 100 out of 1,000. If you won't tithe now, okay, I promise you I'm finna move. I'm finna move. If you're trying to track down what we're doing because you gave $50, I don't see Pastor at work. Now, I pay my tithe. And we pay him to be here. I don't see him. You don't see me because I'm at the school working too. 
I don't get paid to be in these four walls. You're running down $50, and we appreciate your 50. <laughs> but if you're going to run down 50, if you ever give 30 million, you're going to try to run the church. And God said, I got people in place to run the church. That's why I'm trying to make sure you discipline before I bless you. Because if you can't handle the blessing, you're going to lose the blessing. So he tells them, don't say a word. I need to see if you discipline enough on this side of the blessing. Before I put you on the other side of the blessing, we got to go. I done heard the menu for the Super Bowl party. So we got to hurry up. But Joshua... Joshua did not waste any time following the Lord's instructions because he realized this one simple thing. They were in need of a miracle. And if you need a miracle, then you have to do whatever he says. Okay, uh, real quick. John chapter number 2, verses 1 through 11. We're not going to read it all. Uh, uh, but in that particular chapter, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there along with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, as the wedding went on, the host ran out of wine. And so Mary says, you know what? Don't worry about it. Jesus, they're out of wine. Jesus said, look, woman. Now, yeah, I couldn't talk to my mama like that. <laughs> Why did I know she was going to holler back? Sure couldn't. <laughs> Jesus said, look, woman. They ain't got nothing to do with me. For my time has not come. Mary said, listen, I'm your mama. So I ain't even tripping on what you just said. So she turned to the people. She said, whatever he say do. Do it. And the Bible says that they followed his instructions and the water was turned into wine. Why did I bring that up? Because whenever you need a miracle, that's not the time to complain. That's not the time to question God. That is the time to take God at his word. Whatever he say do, do it. You have to do it. He said don't shout. Don't even talk. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. I've been on this point too long, but I got to say this. I got to say this. He said, don't say a word. Hush. <laughs> For the people in the back that's looking bored. He said, zip it until I tell you to shout. This one for the people who says, why we got to shout when you say shout. He commands them when to shout. Could it be the reason you've not been able to walk into your blessing is because you refuse to shout when somebody asks you to? You refuse to clap when somebody say clap your hands? You refuse to stand when somebody asks you to stand to your feet? You refuse to wave your hand when they say let's give the Lord a wave offering? Because that shouldn't be. Shouldn't nobody have to tell me when to shout. But the Bible says he told them be quiet until I tell you when to shout. Your blessing is tied to your praise and it is tied to your obedience. Whether somebody tell me to shout or not, it does not take away the fact that God's been good to me. Learn how to praise God on command. Okay, let me... Let me Oh, I got to leave. I got to get over here. It's like somebody who says, I want to be a singer. I want to sing for a living. 
And then you find yourself in front of Babyface, P. Diddy, uh, J. Moss. I got to get some others in here for y'all crucify me. All that secular stuff. You find yourself in front of Christian music producer, and they say, oh, you want to sing? Let me hear something. If you really serious about it, you're going to bust out a note because you said this might be my only chance. If you would do that about your career or your singing, what if this is your only chance to praise God? So what if somebody told you to do it? Take advantage of it. Do you not know there are places that they have underground church? Because they will be persecuted. But we have a free will to praise God anytime we want. And we still don't do it. Okay, I got to move. So if we're going to win our battle or have victory over our personal Jericho, we have to make sure that our shout is coupled with an unwavering affirmation. We have to make sure that our shout is coupled with an unyielding activation. But then lastly, we have to make sure that our shout uh, is coupled with uninterrupted anticipation. Uh, in other words, you, you have to have an expectancy that God is about to do something in your life. Uh, you, 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 you ought to have a feeling that things are about to take off. Look, look, look at what it says in verse number 12 of the text. It says, Joshua got up early the next morning. See, when you're expecting something big, you can't really sleep. Uh, okay, let me see if I can help you. If you got kids, see how late they sleep in on Christmas morning. Because there's an expectation that I'm about to get something that I've been asking for. Uh, okay, I used to wake my mom and them up early on Christmas morning. Still didn't get my motorcycle. But I was expecting something. And watch this. Because I was expecting something, I just didn't get up early. But I woke everybody else up and said, y'all, guess what? It's time. See, when you're expecting something from God, you know when it's time. And you'll tell everybody else what's about to happen in your life. Here it is. Watch this. He says, he got up early in the morning. And when he got up, they began to do what the Lord told them to do. And now they're day seven. And so this time, instead of walking around the wall one time, they walked around the wall seven times. And the Bible says that at the seventh time, there was one long blast of the horn. And when there was a blast of the horn, he said to everybody, now shout. But watch this. Notice that Joshua says, before they get to this point, that the Lord has given you the town. And he says it before the wall fall down. See, some people can't shout until they see the wall fall down. But the Bible says that the Lord had told him, I've already given you a town, and when you hear the horn, shout. Here it is. The horn was not the walls falling down. The horns was just a sign. And you got to learn how to shout for the sign, even, watch this, if what you're looking for has yet to happen. 
Okay, y'all still don't get it. I used to drive a truck for a living. And I can remember coming out of Johnson City, Tennessee. Start snowing real bad. Got a little frightened. I know the Lord ain't gave me spirit of fear, but I'm up in high elevation without a jake break. And so now I'm like, oh, Lord, if you ever get me out of this. And I can remember when I finally got out of the mountains and I started to make my way back into North Carolina, I saw a sign that said Charlotte. I wasn't in Charlotte. I just saw a sign that said Charlotte. <laughs> and all I needed was a sign <laughs> that I'm almost there. <laughs> And so when they heard the horns blow, they understood that all my walking wasn't in vain. They understood that all of my silence wasn't in vain. They understood that all my obedience wasn't in vain. And the Bible says that when they heard the horn, they began to shout. And when they began to shout, the Bible says suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. See, when you anticipate a move from God, you will be ready to shout at the slightest sign. Is there anybody in here with the word from the Lord and you're looking for a miracle and all you need is a sign? Look at somebody and say, I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. I see uh, the invisible. The sky is the limit to what I can have. I believe it. I receive it. And God will perform it today. I just stopped by to tell somebody this is a good day for a miracle. I stopped by to tell somebody this is a good day for victory. I stopped by to tell somebody this is a good day for the walls to come crumbling down. Whatever has been stopping you, whatever obstacle been in your way, just begin to march around it. You don't have to do it physically but begin to circle that thing. Circle it in prayer. Circle it in praise. Circle it by fasting. And when God tell you to open up your mouth and shout, because you're one shout away from your victory. Shout until addiction is broken. Shout until your body is healed. Shout until your marriage is restored. Shout until your children are saved. Shout until your broken heart is mended. Shout until your finances increase. Shout until you receive a promotion. Shout until your storm is over. Shout until your family's back on speaking terms. Shout until the church is on one accord. Shout until your joy is restored. Shout until your faith is renewed. Shout until your spirit is revived. And when 
life. When you shout, God will open up doors that have been shut in your face. When you shout, God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think according to the power that works in you. How do I know that he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask? I know because I tried him for myself and I found out that God is a promise keeper. I found out that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, I believe it. So if I got to walk around six days with my mouth shut, I still believe my walls are coming down. If I got to walk around seven more times on the last day, I still believe that my walls are coming down. If I got to listen for one loud blow of the trumpet, I'll wait with my mouth closed. But as soon, as soon as I hear the sound of the trumpet, I'll open up my mouth and shout glory, glory to his name. I'll open up my mouth and shout hallelujah. I'll open up my mouth and shout worthy is the lamb from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I've come to the conclusion that the Lord's name is worthy, worthy. With money in my pocket, he's still worthy. When I don't have a dime, he's still worthy. On the mountain top, he's worthy. In the valley lower, he's still worthy. Feeling pretty good in my body. He's worthy. Body racking with pain. He's still worthy. Worthy of the glory. Worthy of the praise. Worthy of the honor. Is there anybody in this sanctified building that can't help but to give God praise? Because when I look back over my life, I can't help but to think things over. And I can truly say that I've been blessed. One shout away from your victory. And here's what the Bible says. That after they shouted, 
suddenly. See, we get mixed up when we hear suddenly, and we think that as soon as we get the promise, it happens suddenly. But this has been a long time coming. Wait a minute, Pastor, I'm confused. I'm, I'm confused. Bring it back, rewind. Because you said suddenly, but now you said it's been a long time coming. Sounds like an oxymoron. Here's what it means. That it's been a long time coming, but if you keep doing what he say do, suddenly means one day you was without, and the next day you got it. The process wasn't sudden, but in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, with just one shout, in a matter of time, God can take you from there to here. And you ought to thank God for a suddenly blessing because it should let you know that God loves you enough that before he lets you give up, he'll speed up and he'll do it suddenly. I promise you, God knows how to work suddenly. Let me see if I can help you. I went back looking for a location in Harrisburg back in maybe September. It could have even been the end of August. It was over the summer. We went looking for a location. And I went and I talked to him. And I talked to him for a little while. I told him what we was trying to do. I left my card. I didn't hear anything back from him. But I'm sitting at the house on Friday, attending to my business, not the church business. I had my personal business. And then I get a voicemail. And it says, hey, Pastor Johnson, I was calling you back. You left your car some time ago. Uh, and I just wanted to let you know that we're now ready to partner with you in any capacity that you want. Uh, so what I need for you to do is contact me next week, come down, look at the facility, and let me know if this facility works for you. And if it works for you, then we're going to make it happen. What I'm trying to tell you is that happened way back. But on Friday, it was suddenly. Suddenly, I got a phone call. Suddenly, I got some answers. Suddenly, I had a breakthrough. And I'm trying to tell somebody that your suddenly is right around the corner. You will reap if you faint not. So don't be weary in well-doing. I'm done standing to your feet all over the building. Uh, but somebody ought to shout. Because God is not going to watch this take care of his house and not take care of your house. <laughs> for your faithfulness, <laughs> for all that you've been doing, <laughs> God says your suddenly is on the way. Perhaps you're here today and you don't know the Lord and the free pardon of your sins. What must I do to be saved? It's simple. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, then you shall be saved. If that's you today, you ready to give your life to the Lord. He can change your life suddenly. Suddenly your destination will change. No longer hell bound but you're on your way to heaven.
Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. They're still coming. God bless you. They're still coming. He'll do it suddenly. He can change your life quicker than anybody else can. God bless you. They're still coming. He'll do it. He'll do it suddenly. Perhaps you're here. You say, Pastor, one time I was walking with the Lord, but I found myself being frustrated. I found myself complaining. And I turned my back on God. I went back out into the world. But today, after hearing that message, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. If that's you today, God bless you, my brother. If that's you today, you want to rededicate your life back to the Lord, we offer Christ to you. God bless you. God bless you. They're coming. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, it's a super Sunday. Not for the reason people think, but it's a super Sunday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They still coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They still coming. Hallelujah. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor? I'm already saved. I'm, I'm already in right relationship with the Lord, but I, I don't have a church home. I don't have a covering in my life. And I need to be somewhere that I can grow in the Word of God. And I've been checking the church out for a while. Uh, but today I understand that this is the place I need to be. I prayed about it and God has told me that this is the place I am to call home. If that's you today, you want to become a member of this church, we offer Christ to you as well. Would you meet us at the altar? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. To God be the glory for all the things he has done. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our sight. Amen. God bless you, my sister. To somebody that's contemplating, you still have just a little more time. Nobody's looking at you in judgment. No one's trying to judge you. No one's going to condemn you. All of us had to come this way. But this is the day that you can make your calling and your election sure. This is the day that you can work out your own soul salvation. There is still room for you at the altar. You don't have to be perfect. The Bible says, come as you are. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. And the day that you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise.